Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rookie Mistakes, episode 33. It is January 28th on a Monday, as always. And this episode is going to be about all of the mistakes that I made while traveling. There were so, so many. And I thought the best way to break this up would be to do the mistakes I made with packing and planning the trip and then the actual mistakes on the trip. These will all just give you insights onto what to think about and then hopefully these specific mistakes that I mention won't be anything you'll have to worry about if you yourself are deciding to travel. So to get right into it, the most time I spent with planning the trip was on the actual luggage that I wanted to bring and I remember spending hours and hours each day reading reviews And the reason why I couldn't make a decision, me being the indecisive person that I am, was because of two things. One, I was trying to decide between bringing a checked bag or just do a carry-on with a backpack. And then the second thing was, do I need some type of security with my luggage? There's so much luggage out there these days and so many things marketed to the fear of something potentially happening to you when you're abroad and some of the things you can buy it's absolutely crazy you can buy backpacks with metal wiring throughout the bottoms of them so that people wouldn't be able to slash your bag let's say if you're in a crowd somewhere in a different country and then they have straps for backpacks where also it's hard for someone to just cut it. And there's just all these different features. RFID, I think, is another one. That's basically so someone can't steal your credit card numbers or anything like that because there are scanners, I guess, out there in the world. These horrible people, right, that exist, apparently. They're able to steal your information just by being next to you and having it scanned. So there's this whole industry now when it comes to luggage and travel all centered around being more secure and not having to worry about these potential things that might happen. So that was such a headache for me. So what I had decided on finally, after so much research, I brought a backpack that I already had, a Herschel backpack. In the initial trip to London, I brought an Osprey backpack that was one of the most highly reviewed and highly recommended bags to bring as a carry-on bag to use for traveling and then I also brought a duffel bag and the reason why I had three bags was just because I had so many things that I just couldn't see myself not bringing and so many things I want to compromise on that it just wasn't realistic for me to go the route of having just a carry-on bag and a backpack so what I figured was well at least if I have these three bags I might be able to at least get rid of some of my stuff along the journey, and I probably would anyways, right? As I use more and more things, I'm eventually going to run out, and then you lose stuff along the way. So I figured with the Osprey bag, because it could be a carry-on bag, that I could just use with my backpack eventually, and it would all work out. But alas, that didn't really go as planned. I remember getting to London, and right when I got into the airport, the duffel bag I brought, which was another Herschel product that strap broke as I was walking through the airport. So then I had this huge Osprey bag full of stuff with my backpack full of all my electronics. And then I had to carry with my hands this Herschel bag that I had broke. So that was not a good way to start it out by any means. I would like to say I 
probably had maybe at least 50 to 55 pounds of stuff that I brought with me in the initial trip to London. And that just looking back on that, my God, that was an awful decision. And within the first week of being in England, I knew that I couldn't travel like this. I couldn't travel with these three bags. And so what I had to end up doing was I had to get this new bag, which ended up being this huge equipment bag. It's by a outdoor brand. And it was just this big bag that I think was honestly supposed to be for like snow equipment or something. And it was just this, this zipper and you open it up and it's just all this open space. It had really sturdy wheels and then you could roll it if you wanted to. And I want to say as well, it, it was just like really a sturdy, like good bag. And I figured, hey, this is what I'm going to have to use. And I'll just put all my stuff in there and then I'll have my backpack and I'll be good to go. I ended up sending home that Osprey bag that was, I think, $160, right? So I bought that, had to send that home with the Herschel duffel bag and then a few other things that I figured I didn't need anymore. So that right there was the mistake of not only having to buy a brand new bag and wasting the $160 basically on the Osprey bag because this new bag that I got, I think was $200. So that's a waste of money there. But then also to ship things home, that was around $100 if I remember correctly. So that's right there, basically a $250 to $300 mistake depending on what bag, right, I would have ended up keeping or if I had planned better in the beginning. So that was a complete waste of money. If I had to do it all over again, I would not have tried to go the carry-on bag route. I just would have gone with the check bag right away, a big, big suitcase, just carrying all the stuff I had, and then I'd have a backpack, and that would be it. I wouldn't even try and adapt or anything. And I think the best way for anyone that's traveling is you have to really come up with the things that are the non-negotiables that you're going to need in this brings me to my next point is with the things that you're going to bring on the trip, there's going to be things that you think you need that you're never going to end up using. And it's just going to be a waste of money because not only are you not going to want to use them, but because you spent the money, you're going to feel bad about getting rid of them. At least I did. And I didn't want to get rid of them. So I would just carry them around everywhere. But there are all these things that I wasn't necessarily using. So I had extra weight in my bags, even though I didn't really need it. And there is no way to really send these things home because once again, if you want to send even more stuff home, then you're going to have to pay more money for the shipping. And the heavier and heavier the things get that you send home, the higher the shipping costs go. So it's not worth it. That's why you want to be very, very particular with what you're going to bring. If So if you're asking yourself, well, then what do I need to bring? What I would say is you have to evaluate need versus want. So there's going to be a lot of things that you want to bring that you're not going to need. So as an example, I brought with me Beats wireless headphones that were noise canceling, and I had purchased these before my trip. So I think those were $160 on sale. Did I need them? No. Did they come in handy a lot of the time? Yes. I used them on airplanes. So that helped me sleep. I didn't have to hear the all the loud noises right on the plane. Hostels, wearing them, people snoring. I listened to white noise on Spotify. And then with the noise canceling, that was nice too. So I wouldn't have to listen to people snoring. And let me tell you, there were some snores 
in these hostels and I don't think earplugs would have done anything. So I would have to blast white noise basically in my ears to get to sleep. So there were a lot of uses for these headphones that I had, but at the end of the day, did I really need them? Not really because I could have just had a pair of headphones and I could have just dealt with the noises on the planes or in the hostels and just used earplugs along the way. Not only was it a thing, just that one little extra thing in my backpack that I'd have to carry around that was a pain in the butt, but also it was $160 that I didn't really need to spend. And there's a lot of things that I bought that if I hadn't bought them, I'd have probably 1,500 to 2,000 extra dollars that could have been used to either go to different countries or stay in countries longer. So you really wanna be approaching your travels with the attitude of carrying as little as possible, less is more. Every single guide you're gonna read about traveling, it's all gonna say, bring less than you think. You can always buy more on your trip. And I knew that going into it, but at the same time, I just still couldn't do it. There are so many things that I wanted to bring with that I thought I would need. And now that I've done the 10 months, I can promise you next time I won't have all this stuff and I'll definitely pack a lot lighter. One of the problems too with my packing was because I had so many electronics I needed to bring. My camera, my laptop, I had an iPad. I had my podcasting stuff. This made it so that I couldn't really do the carry-on thing because I just didn't have room. I had to carry all of the electronics in my backpack on me, right? Because another thing you have to worry about potentially is if you're keeping valuables in a checked bag, those can potentially get stolen when people are checking your bags throughout the different airports that you're going to be going to throughout the world, right? So as a good rule of thumb, you always want to keep your most valuable stuff on you. So that's the stuff that want, needs to go on the plane, right? But because I couldn't bring just a carry-on bag because I had all these electronics and then with the clothes and everything I was bringing, I just couldn't fit it all into two bags. So that made it really difficult for me. But for someone that's traveling, you have to think too, if you can get away with just a carry-on bag and a backpack because you don't really have electronics that you're bringing, you don't have a camera maybe, and obviously if you're not starting a travel podcast or something along your journey, it's not going to matter. So you're not going to have that kind of stuff. That took up a lot of space. And then having to take all of those electronics out at every single airport I went to to get through security and then having to put it all back in, that was a big pain in the butt too that I hated having to deal with. I always dreaded going to the airports because of that. And then, you know, you're in line for the security and people are trying to go fast and you're using all these bins and then trying to put it all back. It just was a nightmare to deal with. So that I don't recommend. You have to decide what are the non-negotiable items that I want to bring extra of or what are the things that I need and what are the things that I can do without, okay? So for example, I brought a lot of extra soaps and like shampoos and lotions and things that I like to use at home. And because I knew I was going to be gone for so long, I figured I wouldn't be able to get any of these brands or anything, the things that I like. So I brought extra and things like shampoo and body soap, those I didn't need to bring extra of because you can always just get those along the way. You want to either know going into whatever country you're visiting, what's the kind of things that I can get there and then if there's certain things you can't get that you're going to need, then you bring those, right? And then there's the items that you really, really want to bring and so you bring them. So for example, for me, let's just use like face lotion. Those were a non-negotiable thing. And then like my face wash because I have very sensitive skin. So I have to use like certain things or else my face is going to become a mess. And 
that's why I brought a bunch of face lotions and then face washes that I used back home because I knew for a fact I wouldn't be able to get those brands and I wasn't really willing to risk using different brands and having to deal with that. So that might be something for me, but then like, let's say you bring four packs of Q-tips as an example. You don't need four packs of Q-tips, you need one, and then you can just buy more as you go along. There's all these different things, deodorant, just bring one. I think I brought four because I like a specific brand, right? But looking back on it, I can go without using the same brand. So I should have brought one. Once again, it's just the idea of less is more. And it's a lot easier to add things along the way than it is to get rid of things that you already have. Just keep that in mind when you are packing. As far as some tips for packing for shower caddies, you're going to want to bring one that hangs up if you're staying in hostels. It's a lot more convenient when you're in a hostel because you're constantly going in and out of the bathroom, right? So to just have all your stuff in a caddy and then to bring it back into your room and not have to worry about any of that, that's really convenient because there are going to be places where you can hang the caddy in the shower. So that's really easy. You also need to remember as well that depending on how long you're going to be traveling that's going to change the approach so if you're gone a year let's say then you're going to be bringing a lot more stuff with you than if you're going to be gone for two months if you want to bring a camera i would say this because i regret bringing my camera i have a canon eos rebel sl2 okay this is a entry-level dslr camera I think it's around $750 or so with a kit lens. It's an 18 to 55 millimeter lens that the camera body comes with. What I was thinking with this camera, I wanted something that was very adaptable. And so a DSL camera is great because you have all these different lenses you can buy and use to get different shots or use it for different purposes when you're either doing photography or you're doing video. I wanted something that I could do photography and video. I wanted something that had flexibility and I wanted something that was small. And the Rebel SL2 is a great camera because it is really compact compared to most DSLR cameras. And it does take good video, so it is good for vlogging. But if I could do it all over again, I would have just brought an iPhone, which I brought anyways, right? And I would have used that for photos, for Instagram and things like that because I found myself a lot of the time on the trip, I would be having my camera out and then also my iPhone and I would take photo and video with both and I really struggled with once again because I'm a very indecisive and I like think about things a lot so I constantly go back and forth between oh should I be taking like a photo of this with my camera or with my phone and I would end up just doing both and that was also a pain in the butt on the trip just going back and forth you know when you're in a museum or something or you're at this cool place that you're seeing to kind of have that like oh I need to do this and I need to do that and you're holding your camera and then holding your phone it's just a really pain in the butt so to eliminate having the camera so I literally can only use my phone for everything that would have been really nice for me and then also what's nice about having a small camera if you're going to bring a camera let's say what I would recommend is a point and shoot camera if you want to document your trip with something other than a phone really basic camera lesson really fast there's DSLR cameras, there's point-and-shoot cameras, and there's mirrorless cameras, okay? Mirrorless and point-and-shoot cameras, if you're not a photographer, this is for you. If you're a photographer, I'm sure you're already going to do what you're going to do, right? So this is for all those people that have absolutely no experience 
with photography or videography and they have no clue about cameras. There's those three types of cameras. The mirrorless and the point and shoot are smaller than DSLRs. DSLR cameras have a mirror in them and that's what a mirrorless is basically a DSLR camera, but without a mirror in it. So you can still change the lenses with a mirrorless camera. Point and shoot cameras are really, really small and they literally like what it what it says, point and shoot, right? You just turn it on, you point at whatever you're filming and then you just go for it. It's very easy, it's basic, it's very easy to understand. There's not all these different options at your disposal so you're not gonna freak out about that, especially if you're a beginner. So if I could do it all over again, I probably would have got a point and shoot because those are really good for vlogging type video and then just documenting your journey. So I would say to get a point and shoot if you wanna bring a camera with you. If you do want the DSLR, if you're very adamant like I was about having a DSLR camera and you're a complete beginner, I would definitely recommend getting the camera I have. It's like, once again, a Canon Rebel SL2. It's really compact, so it's pretty travel friendly. And then you have all the flexibility with all the lenses that, and you can start to build your own kit. And then those lenses that you get, those Canon lenses, those can be used for other Canon bodies that you can buy. So as an entry level camera, you're paying like 750. And then let's say eventually in a few years, you wanna upgrade your body and get like a better DSLR camera. You can just upgrade the body and then you still have all the lenses. So that's something you're gonna have for the rest of your life, which is really nice. As long as you're taking care of all of your equipment. If you do want a point and shoot camera, what I would recommend, and this is one of the most highly recommended cameras for vlogging type, video it is a canon powershot g7x mark ii that i think is around 530 dollars so not terrible honestly for a camera definitely something that would be good i wish i just had the iphone and then a camera like that like that canon powershot g7 that would have been lovely because then i wouldn't have had the lens to deal with the camera body and then all the different cleaning equipment that I brought with for the Canon because that's another thing you have to think about. If you do have a DSLR camera and you're traveling, right? So you could potentially be, we'll use Edinburgh as an example. I was there and I had my camera out. I was climbing Arthur's seat and I fell down and I landed with the camera in my hand and like it hit against the ground. And so what ended up happening was I actually got a bunch of dirt in the camera and so now that is still something that is literally in the camera to where I can't even get that dirt out and I paid for it to be professionally cleaned and they can't get the dirt out either because it's in the viewfinder of the camera. Because of that, it's going to be, I think, $160 if I want that removed. And I figured, like, there's no point to doing that. I might as well just deal with it because it's not actually affecting the photos. But you do have to clean DSLR cameras. And with, I would imagine, a point-and-shoot camera, it's more just cleaning, you know, like the, the lens in the front if it's blurry or if there is a viewfinder on the camera, just cleaning that if there's any smears. It's very low-key. You don't have to worry about anything, and you're not going to have to bring cleaning supplies for cameras along with you. That was just another thing that added to my baggage that w took extra space up. Really wasn't a fan of that. What else can I tell you about packing? Another thing I realized with packing, here's another tip. A lot of the time you're gonna find yourself 
wearing the same few things over and over again. You're not going to be able to bring a ton of stuff, most likely if you're traveling for an extended period of time. And it goes back to the idea of you can always add more. So you want to bring as few clothes as possible, bring the things that you really enjoy wearing and you find yourself wearing all the time. Those are the things that are going to help you. Another mistake I made, and this is another one that gave me a headache, was what kind of shoes should I bring on my trip? And what I decided on was I brought, I believe, a pair of John Varvatos boots, right? So that's totally not something that I should have brought with me in my journey. And those literally lasted me until Edinburgh. So that was not even a month and those were already ruined. So those didn't last. And then I think I brought a pair of shoes, just a normal pair of shoes and never wore those, mostly wore the boots because during the beginning of my travels, it was winter. Okay. So I had to wear boots and I think shoe recommendations is definitely a tough one because you don't want to bring so many pairs of shoes. Once again, that's going to take up too much space in your luggage. Ideally, you want to bring two shoes max. And I had to buy a pair of shoes in Edinburgh and that was just more money, right? That I had to spend. I bought a pair of Dr. Martens, I think for like $180. Honestly, looking back on this now, the amount of expensive things that I bought, it just blows my mind because now I would have just bought the cheapest things and I wouldn't really have cared. But I bought Dr. Martens because I would see those all over London and I saw them in Edinburgh. Those are one of the most popular shoes you'll see when you're traveling just on like everyday people or people traveling themselves is Dr. Martin boots. Really heavy and they didn't really fit me that well but they looked good, so what are you gonna do? They didn't last long either. With all the walking that I did, the sole ended up ripping off, I think, not even not even that long, honestly. They didn't really, I think they lasted all of Europe and then they were starting to rip, so maybe like two or three months. And then from there, I had to, in Asia, because it was summer, I just brought a pair of Nike running shoes and that lasted me all of Asia. I just wear those most of the time. So as far as shoes go, I would say, and I'm a guy, so this is maybe gonna apply to guys, but if I could do it all over again, I'd bring a Nike pair of shoes. And what I would do is in the winter, or at least when it's really cold, but it's not snowing, you could just wear Nike shoes with jeans. And if you don't like how it looks, which is something that I, I'm not the type of person, I think wearing running shoes with the jeans is just not a good look. But what people do in Europe, what you'll notice is that a lot of the guys, they'll wear their pants folded up a little bit where it's like showing their ankle and they'll wear athletic shoes with that. And that is actually a pretty good looking look. So you could do that during the winter. And then as it becomes hotter and hotter, you're just wearing shorts, right? And then wearing running shoes or athletic shoes, that looks fine with shorts. So you could really get away as long as it's not snowing too heavily. You really could get away with just a pair of you know nike athletic shoes i think i just bought a pair a few weeks ago for 40 bucks and if i ever went out again traveling i could just bring those it would be totally fine and then if you're dealing with the winter you just want to bring boots nothing too heavy you're going to be wearing them all the time right so that's not going to really cut into your luggage or any of the space you have so that's great as far as buying any luggage, like I said earlier, with it has extra security features, whether that's RFID or it has, you know, these straps that are not able to be cut or there's like metal mesh in the bags. I think that's totally just a gimmick and it's not worth spending the extra money for stuff like that. 
as I mentioned before, nothing is going to really happen to you, I promise, as long as you're smart and you really aren't ever going to get pit-pocketed or anything like that. These these stories you hear about, oh, you need you need a bag because you need a bag with RFID protection or you need a wallet with RFID protection because you are going to have your information stolen from you, right? Someone's just going to scan it and you're not even going to know about it. Like the odds of that happening are so, so small that it's really not even worth worrying about. And if it does happen, that's just like so, so unlucky for whoever it happens to. It's so rare and uncommon for something like that to happen. And then like your bag being cut. I just... These things I don't think are anything to worry about. Once again, when you're out, you want to be really discreet about the things you have. So you don't want to be flashing a lot of valuable stuff. That's another reason why with your camera, for example, if you're going to be taking a lot of video, if you have a point and shoot, it's a lot more obscure and you're going to be bringing a lot less attention to yourself with a smaller point and shoot camera than let's say if you had a bigger DSLR. Here's a quick little funny story for you. All I ever heard before I started traveling was about how it's so common that people get pitpocketed and you have to worry about this when you're in Europe and I was worried about it. So I being the genius that I am, being the clever person that I am, I thought, you know what? I'm going to carry around a fake wallet. So I bought this really cheap wallet. I got a bunch of gift cards that had already been used before to bulk up the wallet. I cut out this green paper in the shape of money. And then I put two $1 bills on each side of that green paper. So it kind of looked like if you looked into the wallet, like there was money in there, you know, to go along with the illusion or whatever. And I thought, oh, I really hope I get pitpocketed because that person is going to think, oh, I just got this big payday or whatever. Let's see what this guy has inside here. And then he's going to open it up and he's going to see that he was duped. And just the idea of getting pickpocketed and then knowing that that guy's going to find out that there was nothing in. And it was like me, you know, being the more clever person or being the one who gets the last laugh. I just thought that'd be the greatest thing ever. I literally never, ever, ever carried around that wallet because the fear of getting pickpocketed was just completely gone once I started traveling because it just, it's just not, it's really not going to happen to you as long as you're aware of your surroundings and you're not, you know, like once again, you're not flashing a bunch of expensive stuff and you're being smart about it. There's that fear went away so fast and it wasn't even a thing. It was, it was just so dumb of me to even buy a wallet thinking to do that. (laughs) Maybe I'll have to do it another time and see if it actually works. That would be interesting to just do it. But yeah, the idea of just carrying around a fake wallet and then having to bring out your real one or carry some money on you and then having the wallet in your backpack or something, your real wallet. It just was so inconvenient to do that, that I never did it because the threat of being pickpocketed, it just didn't seem to be there. So that's just a quick little story on, you know, why you really shouldn't worry too hard about that. Now for the biggest mistake of them all. Okay. And this is the mistake that caused me the biggest headache my whole entire trip. If there's one mistake you are going to not make from listening to this episode, it's this mistake. So listen up very carefully. You all listening? Okay. I had no idea. This didn't even cross my mind, but there were so many different accounts that I had online that had two-step authentication with my cell phone number. And so if you're thinking along with me here, Think of all the different SIM cards I'd have to use in all these different countries I went to. And then the fact that my phone number wouldn't work regardless. So 
any kind of account that I needed to get on, let's say if your bank account, if you had two-step authentication with that, my Amazon account, I couldn't get on that because I had to get a text from my phone number with like a, you know, authentication code. And then you'd have to put that in. There are so many different little things that were just such a pain in the butt because they're, when I didn't have the SIM card anymore back at home and I didn't have my old phone number, I couldn't access these things and I couldn't really change any of them. So I didn't have access for a long time to like my Amazon account, for example, if I needed to buy something. Thank God my bank account wasn't one of them. My PayPal account, I couldn't access that for a few months. Then I finally figured it out how to, you know, change the number. This isn't something that's going to be a problem for you if you're, you know, you're not traveling for a long time. But if you are traveling for a long time and if you're constantly switching numbers, it's not like you can just use the new number for all these authentications because as you go to a different country, you're going to have a new number, right? And you're not going to have that number for very long. So before you leave for your trip, if you're doing a long-term travel trip, figure out all the accounts that you have that are linked with your phone number. And if you need any type of authentication codes to access your account to actually log in, make sure you get rid of that phone number and either use a friend that you trust or a family member so that it goes to them or just if you can possibly just turn it off and not have two-step authentication. I know that's becoming a bigger and bigger thing now. Like for example, with PayPal, I believe you do need two-step authentication. So you can't have, I think you do need to have the phone number there, which is a pain in the butt. I don't know why they do that, but it is something that is becoming more and more uh, popular with different sites. So remember this tip, do not let this happen to you. It caused me so many problems and I hope that it never happens again. I will definitely make sure that if I go out and travel again, that nothing's linked to my phone number because that was a nightmare. The biggest nightmare I had to deal with. Now to get into the actual mistakes while traveling, I would say how many, if I could put a monetary amount on the cost of all these mistakes that I made, and these are, you know, it's, you're going to make mistakes, but it's stuff like maybe missing a train booking a place that's too expensive, not understanding how expensive a place is actually going to be when you get there. Maybe you decide to go somewhere that you don't really want to go to. It's also going to depend on if you're planning your trip very far in advance or if you, like me, didn't plan really anything out and you kind of just went with the flow. You chose where you wanted to go as you traveled and nothing was planned too far out in advance, I think the most I'd usually plan was three or four days in advance. I'd pick the new country. I'd check to see if it was expensive or not to stay in hostels. And then I'd check to see, you know, like the food prices and all these different prices of different things that you would have to buy there. So I'd say probably lost out on maybe $2,500 when it's all said and done. Just every mistake from the luggage and the mistakes while traveling, all of them, I probably missed out on like 2,500 bucks. That's 2,500 extra dollars that you would be able to spend on whatever. One of the biggest mistakes I made from the overall journey, and I have mentioned this a little bit before, is I think I was too tied to the idea of being gone for the time that I wanted to be gone I originally intended to be gone for a year. It ended up being 10 months, but I never thought, hey, I could just be gone for two months and I could come back home and then I can go out again and do it all over again. I definitely would not would have needed to plan it in advance 
to do something like that because the plane costs, right, could have been really bad depending on when you booked the flight. But to maybe be gone for two months traveling, come back for a month, let's say, and maybe if you could find a job working to where you could cover the cost of the next place you're going to go out to, like the initial country, and then being gone two months again, and then maybe being home another month, something like that where I could go back and forth. I think that would have been a lot better than to just be gone four months, then come home for two weeks, and then go out again for six months. That was... I think a mistake because I really didn't need to be gone for six months. I wanted to be in Japan from October to January. I wanted to be there for New Year's. And I also wanted to be there during the time of the year where the weather's best, which is the beginning of October. Because of that, and I wanted to be gone, obviously, right? And travel, that meant that being in Bangkok and then being in Seoul... I was going to be there at the worst time of the year, so I had to struggle through that and then also just be there for a long time because I didn't really have anywhere else in Asia that I really wanted to go at that point. So I basically just wasted a lot of time, I feel like, being in Seoul and then being in Bangkok where maybe it would have been better to go to Seoul for a week and a half and then Bangkok for a week and a half and then I could go home for two months, let's say, or at least until October, and then I could go back out to Tokyo. I was just so dead set on, I need to be gone. I need to be out of the country. I need to be out away from home that that was definitely a big mistake. So if you have the capability of going back home and you can go back and forth, I definitely would recommend that. In general, I underestimated Initially, after London, when I was going to Edinburgh, I underestimated the amount of time that it would take to actually get to my train. I remember this wasn't a huge costly mistake, but I lost out on $60 for the train ticket because I had to get on the tube, obviously, and it was, I think nine in the morning or so, maybe like 8.30 in the morning, the day I was supposed to be going to Edinburgh. And I figured giving myself an hour and a half was plenty of time. But what ended up happening was the tube was so, so crowded because it was rush hour in the morning. Obviously, people are going to work. And I had all these bags with me, right? These big bags. And I couldn't, literally physically could not get on the tube because there were so many people on it. And then with my bags that... I was late for the train. I had to end up buying another ticket, another 60 bucks. So I lost out on that. Once again, not a huge costly mistake, but something early on I realized you need to give yourself extra time for travel days. Normally, if you think you'd have enough time, let's say you think an hour and a half is enough time. Well, to be extra safe, you want to give yourself another hour, let's say. So instead of leaving an hour and a half where normally maybe back home, that's what you would do, right? Being in a different country and not necessarily knowing whether or not it's going to be really crowded on the transportation if you have to use public transportation, or maybe you give yourself a cushion because maybe you get lost on the way and then it's not that big of a deal because you still have all this extra time. So Then to get back on track after you've been lost, you can still make it to wherever you need to go, whether that's the airport or the train station. Maybe you're taking a boat. Who knows? Give yourself way more time than you think you need. And it's always better to just be early, you know, to the airport, extra early, and you can just wait around a little bit longer. That I learned early on. And then I don't think I ever missed a flight from that point on or a train. Another mistake that I made, you need to understand what's happening 
in whatever country you're in. So that could mean holidays or just understanding cost. As an example, I was supposed to go to Dublin for St. Patrick's Day. That was my plan. I wanted to be there for St. Patrick's Day. I thought it would be so cool to be in Dublin for that day or that week, I should say, because in Ireland, they celebrate St. Patrick's Day for more than a day. So middle of March, right? That's when I'd have to go there. I didn't book the hostels in advance. I had already had the plane ticket to Dublin, but I didn't book the hostels. And so when I was finally getting ready to book the hostels, getting ready to leave to go to Dublin in a few days, I saw how expensive hostels were because of St. Patrick's Day. I think it was $60 a night was one of the cheapest. $60 or so a night was the cheapest hostel there was. And then I was like, well, looks like I'm not going to Dublin. So I had at that point scurry to find another country to go. Luckily, because I was using Ryanair to get to Dublin, one of the cool features with Ryanair is if you can find, at least in this case, if I was able to find a flight on the same day to a different country, then there would be no additional cost or at least a small additional cost. So that's how I ended up going to Prague, even though I never even planned on going to Prague, but it just worked out that way. So I went to Prague, but that was something I wasn't aware of. And then also in Italy, didn't even realize this, but I was in Venice for Easter, had no idea. And everything in Italy, as you can imagine, with the Pope and everything and it being Easter, oh, that was not the time to be in Venice. Everything was more expensive. The hostels were expensive. Luckily, because I had booked it so far in advance, it was cheap, but I didn't plan it out properly there were still two days left that i needed to be in venice before my flight to where was i going next i think it was it was budapest yes yeah, so budapest and then that meant i had to stay an extra two days in venice and at that point because i had already booked the hostel i was staying in for a few days i didn't book the additional two days because i didn't know so at that point I had to book two extra days and I just had to eat the cost because all of the hostels were really expensive because of Easter. So that, I think it was $45 a night for the two extra days. So that's another mistake. Always be aware, whatever country you're going in, is it going to be a holiday? Is there some sort of thing going on? You just want to be aware so you don't get sideswiped like me. And then if you get into a position to where you just have to eat the cost because there's no other options, that's really unfortunate. In the case of Dublin, it wasn't that big of a deal for me. But in the case of Italy, I had to eat, what is that, 90 bucks? So that's an extra $90. And that just adds up. You don't think it's that big of a deal. But like I said, I probably lost out on $2,500 when it was all said and done. And so all these little costs, they add up over time. And then you look back and you're like, oh... Well, that, that sucks. So keep that in mind as well. As far as booking your flights, one thing I should mention is that a lot of people also are hesitant to check bags because of the possibility that the airline loses their luggage. I was lucky and I never had my luggage lost in any of the places that I visited. I had a minor scare in Tokyo when I got there because my bag just wasn't coming out and it happened that the flight attendants had already grabbed the bag and put it out for me and they pointed to me like oh is this your bag and I was like oh thank god so that didn't end up being a lost bag situation but what I would say is if you're hesitant to check a bag if you want to go the route of a carry-on bag if you have connecting flights then 
the risk of having your bag lost is a lot higher than if you don't. So anytime you can book flights where it's a direct flight, it's very, very unlikely that your bag's ever going to be lost. So just keep that in mind. I maybe did one or two flights to where I had to stop in a different country before I went to my destination. So avoid those at all costs if you can. I know sometimes it's not doable, but that is one thing to keep in mind if you are worried about checking a bag. And like me, you end up being in a position where you got to bring a lot of stuff and you got to check a bag. So just keep that in mind. That was another thing I was really worried about was if my bag was going to be stolen because everyone was telling me, or at least my mom, my mother was, my mother would, oh, you're going to lose your bag. What if you lose your bag? What happens? What if someone steals your bag as you're waiting for it, as it's going around the little, the little loop? There's just all these worries that were unfounded that really caused me a lot of strife when I was planning but ended up not happening at all. So that's just another one that I wouldn't worry about. One of the bigger mistakes I made on my journey as well was I would say this wasn't a mistake that I regretted it. I really enjoyed going here but looking back on it I think it wasn't the best move because of how expensive it was. So I ended up going to Paris with my brother and I booked an Airbnb for us way too outside of the center of Paris. What ended up happening was because it didn't work out being there because it was too far away for one. And then there was this horror nightmare story that happened. Go listen to... One of the earlier episodes, I think you're going to have to look in the descriptions of the episodes, but in one of the earlier episodes, I told the story of what happened at this Airbnb where it was the biggest, the biggest, I don't even, I don't even know what to say about that experience, but it was, it was a character building experience to say the least. One of the great character building experiences in my 10 months, but we had to find a new Airbnb right, right in Paris. I went to Paris early, so my brother was coming in two days. I had to book a new place, and what ended up happening was every single place in Paris was way too expensive compared to what I was willing to pay and what I was used to paying in all these different hostels or Airbnbs I was staying at in Europe so far, and it was another situation where I had to just end up eating the cost because there's nothing else I could do, and so... Did we have a great time in Paris? Yes. Did we stay in an amazing Airbnb that was super nice and it was like dead in the center of Paris and it was close to everything and it had a lot of good restaurants around and it was just a great area? Yes. But that all came at extra money that I could have used either on going to a new country or just being in a place for a lot longer. And that goes into that $2,500 that I've talked about already. It was a place where, did I want to go to Paris? Yes. Should I have went to Paris at that point on this journey? No, because of how expensive I knew it was. It was nice because my parents, you know, obviously paid half because they covered my brother. And so that helped me a lot with covering the cost of this Airbnb, but it ended up being just way more money than I was really comfortable with spending, but I just had to spend it because I'd already committed. I was in Paris. My brother was coming to Paris. We had to have somewhere to stay. And just looking back on it, I love that I did it. Don't regret it. But if you're trying to travel for an extended period of time and it really matters how much money you're spending and you really need to stick to budgets, sure, having a little splurge here and there doesn't hurt. But when you have like a, a big thing like that, where I literally spent like, I don't even know how much, how much was that Airbnb? Cause we were there for a week. So I want to say, 
in the $600 range for a week. And that's just, I'm, I'm used to for a week, we're talking like 140. So that's what I was used to up until that point. And then to do something like that, even though it was split the cost a little bit, it honestly might've even been more expensive than that, but it was really nice and it was in the center and it was pretty awesome. So what are you going to do? But yeah, that was definitely a mistake. You're basically going to have situations where you might want to do a certain thing. And this is an extreme example of going to Paris, but there's going to be all these different things you could do. It could be just going to see some museum that maybe costs $50 to go into, right? But there's going to be all these situations you're constantly going to be facing and you're going to have to decide, yes, I could have an even greater time and better experience in this place I'm in, but that might mean then less travel time overall, or that might mean doing less in a different country you're in. So you're just going to constantly have to be weighing whether or not it's worth it to you and so going to Paris amazing experience for a week but because it costs so much maybe then that meant I could have done a, a week in Greece instead or like three days in Greece and because I did Paris I didn't get to do Greece or maybe I could have done Greece and I could have done Amsterdam you know just like all these random things but just think of that money that you're spending is money that you can't spend somewhere else so just always keep that in mind whatever you're doing this next one you're gonna probably make this mistake it's going to happen more than once but when you're booking airbnbs or hostels there's always that worry of whether or not it's going to be accurate to the descriptions and the reviews you read before you book it are the pictures going to actually be what it looks like in person or are they just such master stagers that it looked amazing and then you show up in person you're like this is a completely different place what the heck that's one thing you need to realize is that always think it's going to look better in the photos wherever you're staying. It's going to look better in the photos, so don't expect it to look like the photos. There's a reason why people have jobs doing this for a living. With that, I think it's really important to be cautious when reading reviews and recommendations. So if you read something, if it's a bad thing, I would write the place off and generally go with the person who reviewed. I would side with the reviewer. Don't have the mindset of oh this person had a bad experience it's not going to happen to me or maybe they fixed it this review was back in you know March of 2016 and it's not going to be an issue for me really be as hard and critical as you can when trying to book a place if you don't have a lot of options it's going to be tough to write places off but if there's a ton of options and you're having a hard time deciding between where you want to stay really really trust the reviews at the end of the day, you're going to choose a place and it's either going to be great and you're going to be glad you chose it and you're going to be wishing you stayed longer there or you're going to be wishing you didn't stay so long there and it's going to be awful. It's just a dice roll whether or not you're going to book a place the entire time that you're staying in a country or you want to split up, let's say you want to stay in two different hostels during the whole time that you're in a country. There were times where I booked a place and I regretted it and then there were times where I booked a place and I absolutely loved it. There were a few times as well where you'd be on the fence of whether or not I should book it. There was those few reviews that I read that weren't good, but overall there's a ton of good reviews and the place looks good, right? And then it ends up being bad still. You Those three reviews that you read that were kind of putting you on the fence of whether or not you should stay there, they ended up actually being true and then you get to a place quick example when i was in bangkok one of the airbnbs i stayed at i read a few reviews about the place and overall it had really good reviews but these three reviews 
I read them and I'm like, oh, these aren't that big of a deal. This isn't going to be a thing. But as soon as I got there, it was still an issue. Like those reviews that I had read, those issues that the people were talking about, they were still there, even though the reviews were old. And then overall, the place just wasn't really nice at all. It's another thing you need to keep in mind when reading reviews and looking at places to stay is you need to understand what your standards are for where you're going to be staying. So if you have higher standards, then you have to be a lot more critical. But if you have lower standards, it's not going to matter so much as much. And I think a good rule of thumb is with reviews that you read about a place, I think generally people have a lot lower standards when it comes to traveling, just the general person. They're willing to get, they're willing to accept a lot more and deal with a lot more and be comfortable in a place a lot more than I would be comfortable with. I think my standards are a lot higher than most people. So that meant for me, it meant a lot more that all the reviews were good and there weren't a few reviews here and there of the things being an issue. So for example, in that Airbnb in Bangkok, there was dirt all over the walls. The walls were scratched up. There were dead bugs everywhere on the floor. There were dead bugs in the bathroom, the mirrors hadn't been cleaned it looked like there was mold on in the shower and when I got there I was just like I can't stay here this is not good and I really regretted the fact that I even booked it and if I had just listened to the reviews then I never would have booked it in the first place and it never would have been an issue so always try and trust the reviews another mistake I made which I mentioned last week on the episode but staying in a place that I didn't really want to be was a big mistake because there's going to be places where you're going to visit them for a week and it's going to be amazing. But if you were there any longer, you wouldn't like it because once the initial excitement and the unknown of what a place is like, once all that wears off, then you just have the place for what it is and it might not be a place you want to live. So staying in Bangkok and Seoul for as long as I did just wasn't the move definitely should have been there for a week to a week and a half and then I should have went back home or went somewhere else in Asia but I think this one goes back to knowing what you like once again there's going to be a lot of people that maybe want to stay in countries for a lot longer and then just go everywhere the wind takes them and then there's going to be people that want to jump from country like week to week. They're in a new country and maybe they don't ever get burnt out and they're just doing that the whole time that they're traveling. You just have to know what kind of travel you want to do. Overall, just realize you're going to make mistakes as you're going and don't let that keep you from doing anything. The great thing about making mistakes is that you gain a lot of experience from it. And then going forward, if you ever travel again, you know that you won't make the same mistakes and you're going to be a lot more confident when you do it again. That I think is going to be the end of the episode. If anyone has any questions about anything or wants to know more, conjayhancock at gmail.com and conjayhancock is my Instagram. So any questions, please ask me. I'll be happy to answer anything at all. If you want to know more about packing, any recommendations on more cameras or what type of luggage to bring, what kind of things should I bring with, there will be an podcast episode on that as well so look out for that soon i hope everyone has a great rest of the week subscribe to the podcast if you can leave a review thanks for listening guys see you next monday